Section 16 of Beacon Lights of History, Volume 7, Great Women, by John Lord. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Madame de Stahl, Part 2. I am happy to have these views corroborated by one of the best writers that this country has produced. I mean William Matthews. The French, who if not the most original, are certainly the acutest and most logical thinkers in the world, are frequently considered frivolous and shallow simply because they excel all other nations in the difficult art of giving literary interest to philosophy while on the other hand the ponderous germans who live in clouds of smoke have a positive genius for making the obscure obscurer are thought to be original because they are so chaotic and clumsy but we have yet to learn that lead is priceless because it is weighty or that gold is valueless because it glitters the Damascus blade is none the less keen because it is polished, nor the Corinthian shaft less strong because it is fluted and its capital curved. The production of such a woman in that age, in which there is so much learning combined with eloquence and elevation of sentiment with acute observation, and the graces of style with the spirit of philosophy, candid yet eulogistic, discriminating yet enthusiastic, made a great impression on the mind of cultivated Europe napoleon however with inexcusable but characteristic meanness would not allow its publication the police seized the whole edition ten thousand and destroyed every copy they even tried to get possession of the original copy which required the greatest tact on the part of the author to preserve and which she carried with her on all her travels for six years until it was finally printed in london long before this great work was completed for she worked upon it six years madame de stal visited with sismondi that country which above all others is dear to the poet the artist and the antiquarian she entered that classic and hallowed land amid the glories of a southern spring when the balmy air the beautiful sky the fresh verdure of the fields and the singing of the birds added fascination to scenes which without them would have been enchantment chateaubriand the only french writer of her day with whom she stood in proud equality also visited italy but sang another song she bright and radiant with hope and cheerfulness an admirer of the people and the country as they were he mournful and desponding yet not less poetic with visions of departed glory which the vast debris of the ancient magnificence suggested to his expensive soul o oh, italy italy land of associations whose history never tires whose antiquities are perpetual studies whose works of art provoke to hopeless imitation whose struggles until recently were equally chivalric and unfortunate whose aspirations have ever been with liberty yet whose destiny has been successive slaveries whose hills and plains and vales are verdant with perennial loveliness though covered with broken monuments and deserted cities where monks and beggars are more numerous than even scholars and artists glory in debasement and debasement in glory reminding us of the greatness and misery of man alike the paradise and the prison of the world the minerva and the niobe of nations never shall thy wonders be exhausted or thy sorrows be forgotten e'en in thy desert what is like to thee thy very weeds are beautiful thy wastes more rich than other lands fertility thy wreck a glory and thy ruin grand 
in this unfortunate yet illustrious land ever fresh to travellers ever to be hallowed in spite of revolutions and assassinations of popes and priests of semi-infidel artists and cynical savants of beggars and tramps of filthy hotels and dilapidated villas madame de stal lingered more than a year visiting every city which has a history and every monument which has antiquity and the result of that journey was corinne one of the few immortal books which the heart of the world cherishes which is as fresh to-day as it was nearly one hundred years ago a novel a critique a painting a poem a tragedy interesting to the philosopher in his study and to the woman in her boudoir since it is the record of the cravings of a great soul and a description of what is most beautiful or venerated in nature or art it is the most wonderful book ever written of italy with faults of course but a transcript of profound sorrows and lofty aspirations to some it may seem exaggerated in its transports but can transports be too highly colored can any words be as vivid as a sensation enthusiasm when fully expressed ceases to be a rapture and the soul that fancies it has reached the heights of love or beauty or truth claims to comprehend the immortal and the infinite it is the effort of genius to express the raptures and sorrows of a lofty but unsatisfied soul the glories of the imperishable in art and life which gives to corinne its peculiar charm it is the mirror of a wide and deep experience a sort of divine comedy in which dante finds a beatrice not robed in celestial loveliness coursing from circle to circle and star to star explaining the mysteries of heaven but radiant in the beauty of earth and glowing with the ardor of a human love every page is masculine in power every sentence is condensed thought every line burns with passion yet every sentiment betrays the woman seeking to reveal her own boundless capacities of admiration and friendship to be appreciated to be loved with that fervor and disinterestedness which she was prepared to lavish on the object of her adoration no man could have made such revelations although it may be given to him to sing a greater song while no woman could have composed the iliad or the novum organum or the critique of pure reason or othello no man could have written corinne or adam bede in painting corinne madame de stal simply describes herself as she did in delphine with all her restless soul agitations yet not in too flattering colors since i doubt if there ever lived a more impassioned soul with greater desires of knowledge or a more devouring thirst for fame or a profounder insight into what is lofty and eternal than the author of corinne like heloise she could love but one yet unlike heloise she could not renounce even for love the passion for admiration or the fascinations of society she does not attempt to disguise the immense sacrifices which love exacts and marriage implies but which such a woman as heloise is proud to make for him whom she deems worthy of her own exalted sentiments and she shows in the person of corinne how much weakness may coexist with strength and how timid and dependent is a woman even in the blaze of triumph and in the enjoyment of a haughty freedom she paints the most shrinking delicacy with the greatest imprudence and boldness contempt for the opinions and usages of society with the severest self-respect giving occasion for scandal yet escaping from its shafts triumphant in the greatness of her own dignity and in the purity of her unsullied soul corinne is a disguised sarcasm on the usages of society among the upper classes in madame de stal's day 
when a man like lord neville is represented as capable of the most exalted passion and almost ready to die for its object and at the same time is unwilling to follow its promptings to an honourable issue ready even at last to marry a woman for whom he feels no strong attachment or even admiration in compliance with expediency pride and family interests but corinne is not so much a romance as it is a description of italy itself its pictures its statues its palaces its churches its antiquities its literature its manners and its aspirations and it is astonishing how much is condensed in that little book the author has forestalled all poets and travellers and even guide-books all successive works are repetitions or amplifications of what she has suggested she is as exhaustive and condensed as thucydides and true to her philosophy she is all sunshine and hope with unbounded faith in the future of italy an exultant prophet as well as a critical observer this work was published in paris in eighteen o seven when napoleon was on the apex of his power and glory and no work by a woman was ever hailed with greater enthusiasm not in paris merely but throughout europe yet nothing could melt the iron heart of napoleon and he continued his implacable persecution of its author so that she was obliged to continue her travels though travelling like a princess again she visited germany and again she retired to her place near geneva where she held a sort of court the star of which next to herself was madame recamier whose transcendent beauty and equally transcendent loveliness of character won her admiration and friendship in eighteen ten madame de stal married rocca of italian or spanish origin who was a sickly and dilapidated officer in the french army little more than half her age he being twenty-five and she forty-five a strange marriage almost incredible if such marriages were not frequent he though feeble was an accomplished man and was taken captive by the brilliancy of her talk and the elevation of her soul it is harder to tell what captured her for who can explain the mysteries of love the marriage proved happy however although both parties dreaded ridicule and kept it a secret the romance of the thing if romance there was has been equalled in our day by the marriages of george eliot and miss burdett coutts only very strong characters can afford to run such risks the caprices of the great are among the unsolved mysteries of life a poor wounded unknown young man would never have aspired to such an audacity had he not been sure of his ground and the probability is that she not he is to be blamed for that folly if a woman is to be blamed for an attachment which the world calls an absurdity the wrath of napoleon waxing stronger and stronger madame de stal felt obliged to flee even from switzerland she sought a rest in england but england was hard to be reached as all the continent save russia was in bondage and fear she succeeded in reaching vienna then russia and finally sweden where she lingered as it was the fashion to receive attentions and admirations from all who were great in position or eminent for attainments in the northern capitals of europe she liked even russia she saw good everywhere something to praise and enjoy wherever she went moscow and st petersburg were equally interesting the old and the new the oriental magnificence of the one the stupendous palaces and churches of the other romanzoff orloff the empress elizabeth and the emperor alexander himself gave her distinguished honors and hospitalities and she saw and recorded their greatness and abandoned herself to the pleasures which were new after a delightful winter in stockholm she sailed for england where she arrived safely eighteen thirteen twenty years after her first visit and in the ninth of her exile her reception in the highest circles was enthusiastic 
she was recognized as the greatest literary woman who had lived the prince regent sought her acquaintance the greatest nobles feted her in their princely palaces at the house of the marquis de lansdowne at lord jersey's at rogers literary dinners at the reunions of holland house everywhere she was admired and honored sir james mackintosh the idol and oracle of english society at that time pronounced her the most intellectual woman who had adorned the world not as a novelist and poet merely but as philosopher and critic grappling with the highest questions that ever tasked the intellect of man byron alone stood aloof he did not like strong-minded women any more than goethe did especially if they were not beautiful but he was constrained to admire her at last nobody could resist the fascination and brilliancy of her conversation it is to be regretted that she did not write a book on england which on the whole she admired although it was a little too conventional for her but she was now nearly worn out by the excitements and sorrows of her life she was no longer young her literary work was done and she had to resort to opium to rally from the exhaustion of her nervous energies on the fall of napoleon madame de stal returned to paris the city she loved so well the city so dear to all frenchmen and to all foreigners to all gay people to all intellectual people to all fashionable people to all worldly people to all pious people to them the centre of modern civilization exile from this city has ever been regarded as a calamity as great as exile was to romans even to cicero see with what eagerness thiers himself returned to this charmed capital when permitted by the last napoleon in this city after her ten years exile madame de stal reigned in prouder state than at any previous period of her life she was now at home on her own throne as queen of letters and also queen of society all the great men who were then assembled in paris burned their incense before her chateaubriand lafayette talleyrand guizot constant cuvier laplace distinguished foreigners swelled the circle of her admirers blucher humboldt schlegel canova wellington even the emperor of russia the restoration hailed her with transport louis the eighteenth sought the glory of her talk the press implored her assistance the salons caught inspiration from her presence never was a woman seated on a prouder throne but she did not live long to enjoy her unparalleled social honors she was stifled like voltaire by the incense of idolaters the body could no longer stand the strain of the soul and she sunk at the age of fifty-one in the year eighteen seventeen a few months before her husband rocca whom it appears she ever tenderly loved madame de stal died prematurely as precocious people generally do like raphael pascal schiller i may add macaulay and mill but she accomplished much and might have done more had her life been spared for no one doubts her genius perhaps the most remarkable female writer who has lived on the whole george sand is the only frenchwoman who has approached her in genius and fame madame de stal was novelist critic essayist and philosopher grasping the profoundest subjects and gaining admiration in everything she attempted i do not regard her as preeminently a happy woman since her marriages were either unfortunate or unnatural in the intoxicating blaze of triumph and admiration she panted for domestic beatitudes and found the earnest cravings of her soul unsatisfied she sought relief from herself in society which was a necessity to her as much as friendship or love but she was restless and perpetually travelling moreover she was a persecuted woman during the best ten years of her life 
she had but little repose of mind or character and was worldly vain and ambitious but she was a great woman and a godly woman in spite of her faults and errors and greater in her womanly qualities than she was in her writings remarkable as these were she had a great individuality like dr johnson and thomas carlyle and she lives in the hearts of her countrymen like madame recamier for it was not the beauty and grace of this queen of society which made her beloved but her good nature amiability power of friendship freedom from envy and generous soul in the estimation of foreigners of those great critics of whom geoffrey and mackintosh were the representatives madame de stal has won the proud fame of being the most powerful writer her country has produced since voltaire and rousseau historically she is memorable for inaugurating a new period of literary history with her began a new class of female authors whose genius was no longer confined to letters and memoirs and sentimental works i need not enumerate the long catalogue of illustrious literary women in the nineteenth century in france in germany in england and even in the united states the greatest novelist in england since thackeray was a woman one of the greatest writers on political economy since adam smith was a woman one of the greatest writers in astronomical science was a woman in america what single novel ever equaled the success of uncle tom's cabin what schools are better kept than those by women and this is only the beginning since it is generally felt that women are better educated than men outside of the great professions and why not since they have more leisure for literary pursuits than men who now sneers at the intellect of a woman who laughs at blue stockings who denies the insight the superior tact the genius of a woman what man does not accept a woman as a fellow laborer in the field of letters and yet there is one profession which they are more capable of filling than men that of physicians to their own sex a profession most honorable and requiring great knowledge as well as great experience and insight why may not women cope with men in the proudest intellectual tournaments why should they not become great linguists and poets and novelists and artists and critics and historians have they not quickness brilliancy sentiment acuteness of observation good sense and even genius do not well-educated women speak french before their brothers can translate the easiest lines of virgil i would not put such gentle refined and cultivated creatures these flowers of paradise spreading the sweet aroma of their graces in the calm retreats from toil and sin i would not push them into the noisy arena of wrangling politics into the suffocating and impure air of a court of justice or even make them professors in a college of unruly boys but because i would not do them this great cruelty do i deny their intellectual equality or seek to dim the lustre of the light they shed or hide their talent under the vile bushel of envy cynicism or contempt is it paying true respect to woman to seek to draw her from the beautiful sphere which she adorns and vivifies and inspires where she is a solace a rest a restraint and a benediction and require of her labors which she has not the physical strength to perform and when it is seen how much more attractive the wives and daughters of favored classes have made themselves by culture how much more capable they are of training and educating their children how much more dignified the family circle may thus become every man who is a father will rejoice in this great step which women have recently made not merely in literary attainments but in the respect of men take away intellect from woman and what is she but a toy or slave for my part i see no more cheering signs of the progress of society than in the advancing knowledge of favored women 
and I know of no more splendid future for them than to encircle their brows, whenever they have an opportunity, with those proud laurels which have ever been accorded to those who have advanced the interests of truth and the dominion of the soul, which laurels they have lately won, and which both reason and experience assure us they may continue indefinitely to win. Authorities Miss Luister's Memoirs of Madame de Stahl Memoirs de Sanie de Exil Allison's Essays M. Shelley's Lives Mrs. Thompson's Queens of Society Saint-Beuve's Nouveau Lundi Lord Broman on Madame de Stahl J. Bruce's Classic Portraits J. Cavanaugh's French Women of Letters Biographique Universe North American Review, Volumes 10, 14, 37. Edinburgh Review, Volumes 21, 31, 34, 43. Temple Bar, Volumes 50, 55. Foreign Quarterly, Volume 14. Blackwood's Magazine, Volumes 3, 7, and 10. Quarterly Review, 152. North British Review, Volume 20. Christian Examiner, 73. Catholic World, 18. End of section 16.